Hey friends, welcome to the Sacred Story Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Wilcox, and I'm so glad you're here. During this time, we carve out sacred space to reflect on our God-authored stories, to hear from women in the chapters of their stories, and to think about God's greater story around the world. I'm excited to introduce ordinary yet brave women who are declaring God's faithfulness. I'm honored to be on the journey with you. Here's this week's episode. Today on the Sacred Story Podcast, I'm having a powerful conversation with a dear sister who went through a season of devastation that she thought she would never recover from, but we get to hear the beautiful part of her story. And so I'm excited to have our guest, Lisa Fendership, on the podcast. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm so glad we get to hear your heart and your story, and I know that your story it unfolds a number of years ago with falling in love, which every woman wants. So give us a little bit of an idea of what that looked like. Well, um, it was quite a few years ago because um, I've been married now. I'm going on uh, 29 years on the 16th of February. But Congratulations. Uh, thank you. But it was, um, it was a time where I was in my 20s. Uh, I met a young man. He was just tall, athletic, good looking, uh, just had, came from a great family and he just had a way about him and and made me feel like I was the only girl in the room. And, and, you know, everything he said was really romantic and I just enjoyed being adored. So, uh, you know, I just, amen. (laughs) And it was just one of those, you know, it felt like a movie and it was just, you know, and, when you're in your twenties, everything's romantic. So <laughs> he was just—he was just a, Age. a really interesting guy. And so, uh, I mean, he would take his dad's plane and come to where I lived, and take me back to where he lived, and and I'd get to meet his family. It was just one of those mm-hmm. whirlwind kind of, you know. His family just loved me. I loved them. Um, but my parents were concerned because they wanted me to slow down, but I was like loving the attention and uh, I just didn't listen to my parents. Uh, he didn't like going to church. And, um, so I started skipping church and, you know, just was, it was all about him. And, uh, it was just one of those things that I felt like a princess, and, um, well, that's a good thing. It's a good thing to be a princess. And yet you talk about this area of him not seeking the Lord. And so, and, and yet really great character qualities. So how did you walk in that tension when you were seeking the Lord? Well, looking back, this is what I would say. Um, I didn't have my guardrails up. You know how you have a highway and there's guardrails that show you, hey, if you go past this, there's danger. And with guardrails, that's kind of like my, your, you know, like with the Bible, my guardrails should have been scripturally sound. And I thought they were, but, um, I kept bumping the guardrails and pretty much I just knocked them down and I didn't heed the warnings that were coming from, uh, my church leaders, my parents, um, because I wanted it my way. And so I 
totally ignored the guardrails that were sort of up, but not really, um, because I was a new driver in this area. And I, you know, didn't, I didn't care. It was very selfish and all about me. And um, I just looked at him like, I put him in, in place of God instead of um, really taking the time and asking God, is is this the one for me? Um, I didn't want to hear God say, he's good, but he's not the best. I didn't want to hear that because I was getting the attention I wanted. And so I just let my guard down. I said, I don't care. And um, he's living the American dream. Of course, it was on his parents' dime. And when you're in your 20s, you don't realize all that. And um, I'm sitting there looking at it going, I I could get used to this. Yeah. But the question F- really Personal was, fights are nice. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and the thing of it is, um, uh, was I wrong? Was I right? Um, I think the where I went wrong was not listening to the wise counsel that I had in place. And I walked away from that. And um, walking away from the people that really knew how to help guide me in that area um, just set me on a, a crazy path of destruction because, you know, all of a sudden we're in love, we're talking marriage, it's been a year, he's been pushing, I've been pushing him away, and I thought, well, we're getting married, let's, I don't want to lose him. And um, honestly, as as a woman that's walked quite a few years now, um, I have gotten with some of my kids' uh, friends that are girls, and I would just tell them, did you pray about it? And they're like, what is there to pray about? And I would say, is this God's best? And they would go, he's good enough. Well, good enough is not God's best. Good enough is not enough. And um, if good enough is all you get now, it's not going to be there later. So yeah, that's true. There's no going, you know, it's like, if you get, if you settle for good enough, then you're not going to get too many bests, if that makes sense. Yes. And you held the view of God's word that sexual intimacy is for marriage. Yes. And, and your um, boyfriend at the time, y'all were talking marriage. And so, and you say you didn't want to lose him. And I think this is a natural fear that mm-hmm. some women, you know, that we can fall into of like, oh, well, I need to. Uh, go ahead and give what I might not think is the right time is, is God's time really. And, um, in exchange for that security. And, um, and so we'll, and and so your story unfolds with you becoming pregnant. And so how did you start to hide? You talk about hiding after you became pregnant. You know, um, hide and seek is fun when you're a child. And sometimes mm-hmm. we blur that and uh, as adults. And it's, it's no longer fun when you're hiding as an adult because it's one of those things that you don't want to be found. As a child, the whole goal is to be found. But as an adult, it, you're, 
you're hiding not to be found. And mm-hmm. I, uh, I walked away from the, the church. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. No, this is and, just, um, devastating, I'm sure, at the time. I, I, I walked away from my parents. I mean, I was kind of living with them, but I made sure that I was working whenever they were around and I was getting up early enough to um, miss them in the morning. And um, my parents were going through a lot of things at the moment too and um, medically. So I didn't want to add to their pain. And my sisters, uh, I love my sisters, but they didn't do things right either. And um, I was seen as the girl who did it right in the family. So there was a lot of pressure of uh, being the golden-haired child. That's and, hard to live up to, especially and, when you've gone to a place that you don't want to have yeah, to bring into to the light. Yeah, It was very devastating, um, very shameful, um, scary. Um, so I just started working as, as much as I could, and I um, uh, would hide out at his parents' house and kind of stay away from them, if, you know, if that makes sense. And so nobody really knew what was going on. And um, this young man, uh, I finally was able, because he was off at college and he, we, he came home every weekend and uh, sometimes sneak home during the week just because he had the means to do that. And we talked every day. And then when I finally told him what was going on, he quit calling me and um, wow. he quit coming home and he got mad because this didn't fit wow. into his plans and he didn't want me anymore because I was damaged goods. And Which I'm makes like, me so mad when I read your story. That, and yeah. Like you said, he took part in that. <laughs> <laughs> you say that in your story. It's, it's crazy. And, and the thing of it is, is he even, uh, when he finally got, we got face to face, he said, and you call yourself a Christian. And that was wow where the arrow really, uh, yeah, got lodged right. in. And, um, Ouch, I, I could not, I, I could not make him happy anymore. And, um, Which- it's such an oxymoron because you were giving of yourself in hopes to have the security of the relationship and then it just all falls apart showing breaking open his true heart in some ways of not being able to not having the courage to face your pregnancy you know you all's pregnancy which right it's so hard it it really shows uh i heard a statement one time uh you know uh you never, what is it? The tea bag never knows its true strength till the hot water's added. And um, his tea bag just didn't have a lot of strength to it. And uh, it really showed me good enough was not good enough. And uh, he was not going to be the best in my life. And uh, he left and he threw money at me. And he said, I made you an appointment and I don't want to see you till it's over. And, um, I didn't know what to do. And I, I went for a consultation thinking, well, let's, let's at least look at this. And, um, 
you know, they were back then, uh, I think the Roe versus Wade had just been like really uh, like the turnover was just, you know, women were out for their rights and all this stuff. And there were marches and all of this stuff going on. And um, every everything I passed was uh, with them touting their rights. So it was so, so confusing. And, and I mm-hmm. knew, I knew what God didn't want from me, yet I couldn't handle uh, the shame and the scrutiny. And I, my pride rose up and it's like, you know, I don't want to be seen as another failure in my family. And so they weren't easy choices and I knew they were wrong and they could spiritually break me, but I did it anyway because my, of my pride and uh, my fear and. uh, Yeah. Pride and fear and shame are powerful motivators. Oh, the shame was intense. And uh, I, I, uh, the, the shame took me down. Yeah. I, uh, you know, he, he wouldn't talk to me after, after this whole incident and wouldn't, wouldn't even, wouldn't even call me, wouldn't come see me, um, wouldn't come to the door if he was at home. Um, his parents would just cry and hug me and, and, and I would leave, you know, so I, I quit trying, um, to make it right because there was nothing to make right with him. Really. There wasn't. And I was just grasping at this point because, um, I was too raw to go through this by myself, but I did. I, I sunk deeper into the shadows and kept hiding. I ended up working three jobs um, just to stay busy. And when I wasn't working, I was going out. I started drinking. I started partying. I, I had suicidal thoughts probably twice a day. Um, the sleep deprivation from not sleeping started getting to me. So I was almost hallucinating at times. But anytime I closed my eyes, I would hear uh, a baby cry or cry for me or, or hear it going down the hall and heading towards danger. And the nightmares were so real. Oh my goodness. And um, I remember one night my mom jumped up and shook me. I was outside in the bushes and I was sleepwalking looking for the baby. And she woke me up and said, what are you doing out here? And I said, oh, I guess I'm having a nightmare. And um, this went on for uh, about three years, four years. And just to clarify, this is after you had the abortion. I just want to clarify that. This was after the abortion. And um, my life just spiraled out of control. The the depression, the uh, I lost so much weight from just not eating and... Um, I didn't have anyone, anyone that I felt like I could reveal this to. And um, I felt like I was slowly just deteriorating. Um, So I I stayed busy. And then one day uh, I sat down and decided I need to write something. So I was was a singer at the time and um, I was doing an album. And I just started writing words and all of a sudden it felt good to write about what my experiences, but not claiming them as my own. 
And I realized I feel better because I'm getting it out. And um, yes. I guess there's actually research that writing is healing, yes. writing things out. So with that, I had uh, created an album and I was constantly being asked to sing in churches still. And I felt like a fraud, uh, you know, like they're going to see right through me. And I finally did uh, start singing in churches again. And slowly there was a little light that would creak into my heart. And I felt, okay, God, I know that you love me. I know you do, but I can't forgive myself. Um, I know that you will forgive me if I ask, but I'm just not going to do that because I don't deserve to ask for your forgiveness. Hmm. But eventually uh, there was a group that came into our church that was a um, post-abortion counseling group. And my mom was sitting with me and she grabbed my hand and she goes, you need to go talk to them. Now, I never told my mom about this stuff. (laughs) She didn't know that you had an abortion? She had no idea. And I looked at her and I thought, God, do you think, did you tell her something? (laughs) Yeah. Do you think she knew but didn't ever bring it up? Or you think really God just revealed something to her in that moment? I think, I don't think, she didn't even know. She just grabbed my hand and said, you need to give them your song. And I was like, wait a minute. And so she drugged me up there and we talked and I went to, I started going to their uh, group counseling. Yeah. Yeah. and I was shocked at how many people were there. And it wasn't just women. And it wasn't just young people. And it was women of all ages. Some of them had spouses with them. Some of them had boyfriends with them. And there were even grandparents there. And I didn't open up at first. And I'm just listening and listening and listening. And I, the second time I went back, I began to break a little and And um, the third time, I tell you, I don't know, when you hide, you really put the shell on and your armor gets tougher and tougher. But by the third time, I I finally just burst into tears. And that was the first time that they all, (laughs) that they all came over and just, you know, hugged me and loved me. And um, that's when the healing began. And it's not instant. Nothing's mm-hmm. ever, when it's that deep, it's never going to be instant. But you got to mm-hmm. get started. And I didn't realize there was a grieving process that went along with this because I wasn't, you know, with an abortion, you're not really allowed to grieve. It's because it's an unspoken thing that you did. Well, and I, that was one thing in your story about the coldness, even of the people that um, attended you, the doctor and the um, people that attended you during the abortion. Oh, there was no, it was nothing. cold. Yeah. All business. And um, they were, even the doctor, he, he did the procedure, looked down and went, hmm, looks like a boy. And I just... Oh my gosh, it just makes my skin crawl. Yeah, I, I I just started shaking and then just burst into tears. And he just grabbed my knee and he said, stop crying. And he turned around and walked out. Oh my gosh. And, and I couldn't, I couldn't. Everything in me was hollow. Everything was 
felt like everything was gone. Um, and they said, so then gonna, mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead. Well, then they, they took me to the recovery room and the wailing in there was so intense. Uh, oh my goodness. Because there was more, there was like, mm, I don't know how many women, but it was more than a handful. And you would hear the women that were working there come in and go, she won't stop. And they would give you a cookie to kind of get your blood sugars back and whatever. And um, slowly and surely it all began to dissipate. And I just laid there sobbing for hours. And finally they flicked the lights. I think I was the last one to leave. And they came in and they go, do you have anyone that can take you home? Are you by yourself or what? And I just sat up and I said, I'm all alone. They go, well, where's your purse? Here's your keys. Let's get you out. We got to go. And that was my experience. It's like people don't want to face their own, their own grief. Even, you know? Yeah. They did not see these procedures. They saw them as procedures and not babies. And, um, right. That's all the brain can, or otherwise, yeah, you can't, you can't, yeah. you have to separate it out, but it's, it's at the expense of your own heart. And right. so then you were able, let's go back to, you're able to grieve with people who are safe to grieve with, with yeah. a, a counseling um, group. Right. It was, um, one of those things, it was not, um, it was a, let me think, I believe it was It took probably close to eight months to a year because uh, we'd meet weekly. And uh, it was like peeling back layer after layer after layer. But each layer, there came healing. And there came a, a point of going, aha, oh, yeah, I, I can be forgiven. God still does love me. God is love. He can't help but love. Mm. You know, and it's like his mercy and his, his, uh, his acceptance of you, even in the dirt, even in the filth, Mm. even in your, Mm. even in your grimy tears, he adored me even more than I had ever dared to be adored. And Mm. because of that, you know, it's, what does it say in Ephesians? But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich mm. in mercy, I'd never felt such mercy and such love. And mm. I, it's because it's always been there. But I finally turned around and said, yes, please find me. I, I, I don't want to be lost anymore. I need to be found. I need to look in your face. And it was like... He took my hands in his, or my face in his hands, and it was like I could stare into his eyes, and he looks right in my soul, and it's because he loves us that much. And he loved me before I knew him, and he knew I was going to do this, and he still loved me, Mm. you know? Yeah, his mercies are new every morning. Every morning, every morning. So, you know, we just are so used to the why. And when we finally step into that truth, it really breaks the darkness. And Satan doesn't like that. He doesn't want us to believe the truth. There's just 
there's just so much Satan wants to tell us, but there is so much we just have to ignore. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and, and part of that is monitoring our thoughts. But one of the way, ways to monitor our thoughts is to be with people who, you know, the, the counseling provide this for you. People who are safe, who, who come from a biblical perspective, who aren't perfect either. But to be able to say your thoughts and to say yeah. what's going on, there's so much healing because then it's like, oh, but the word of God says this is true. And, and not only that, the word of God, but then people can model coming around you and hugging you. That's like the life of Christ in yeah. them. And, and you know, so, everyone came from different walks and some of them were, uh, you know, deep into their religion and it still happened to them just like it did to me. Um, mm -hmm. Some of them mm -hmm. had never heard of the Lord and you know what? Mm -hmm. They found him. And some of them just were there to learn how to walk the steps and God's love is for everyone. It, it doesn't matter what, what your spiritual belief is. He doesn't, he, he doesn't, um, what is the word? He, he, he accepts you right where you're at, you know, mm -hmm. and he knows what you think. He knows what you're feeling and he still works with that because that's who God is. And so I was true. finally to the fact where I said, God, I know that you love me. I just need to be back in your favor. I want to be your favorite again. And how do you do that? You walk with him, you talk with him, you get close with him, you learn what the word says because his word is life. And that's, that's the life I needed in me. Even though I expelled the life that was given to me, he, re he put new life in me because of his words. And well, uh, that's so true. And I think about in Revelation where he says, knock and uh or i'm standing at the door knocking and you know if you yes. will come in and i will dine with you and you will dine with me and we use that sometimes for salvation um explanations and there is a truth to that about opening our heart and life to jesus and letting him forgive our sin and but th that was actually spoken to believers and so you know when we have been away from the Lord, he still says, look, I, it doesn't change our relationship with him. We still belong to him. We can't change that. Once we come to faith in Christ, we're his forever. But if we've gone away from him, it, he's knocking on the door of our heart and he's saying, let me come in and eat with you and be with you again. And I see yeah. that in your story is that you opened up, you let yourself be found. You let yourself hear the knock and open yeah. the door. Yeah. Well, it was the only thing that I knew that would get me to a place of healing, you know, and he knocks, but we have to open the door. We have yes. to uh, answer the door and let him in. Yes. You know? yes. <laughs> well, okay. And so we're, this series of podcasts is talking about some, when we have pain and betrayal in our story. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit, how did you forgive yourself when, after, you know, in this process, you know that you acted out in a way that harmed another person and your own, yourself. Yes. Um, so what, what would you say to, as we all go through needing to forgive ourselves in different ways for different things? But what, what would you say on that? Well, I know that it took me a while to forgive myself. I knew God forgave me and I finally accepted that. Um, I'm going to tell you one little story that gets me every time that God is so awesome at giving me this little jewel. I prayed. I was like, God, I, I can't forgive myself. And he allowed me to go into a really deep sleep. And 
I was asleep. I was, I couldn't tell if it was dream or not at the moment, but this child walks up to me and I looked at him and I went, oh, Michael, because through this process of uh, the counseling, we ended up giving our babies a life certificate, not a death certificate, but mm-hmm. honoring them and giving them dignity. And I named mine uh, Michael. And um, his middle name is Ethan. And um, I just looked at him and went, oh, Michael. And he goes, hi, Mommy. Oh. And he walks up and he puts his hand hands on my face and he goes mommy I'm okay I love you and I forgive you and I just burst into tears and I we just held I don't know how long Mm. and at one point he goes mommy it's a little tight like a little (laughs) child would say (laughs) and we beautiful and he looked at me oh my goodness Uh, and he goes mommy you have to forgive yourself. I love you and I forgive you and I got to go back to daddy. And with that, he got out of my lap and he turned at, looked at me with these little twinkles in his eyes and he goes, forgive yourself. I love you. Mm. And then I woke up and I. That's powerful. I've never had a dream ever like that again. Uh, Where you get to see someone, you know, that's passed on or whatever. And I just laid there and the healing of me forgiving myself, I could feel it lift off of me like a coat, if that makes sense. Because it says in the Bible, yeah, it was like, just, it really did feel like I was taking this heavy, heavy jacket off. And as I, as I got up, it was like it fell to the floor. And there's a scripture in the Bible that talks about taking off your anger, taking off your resentment. Take it literally commands us to take it off like a coat and drop it. And then to put on like a coat the joy of the Lord and his compassion and all of that. And I felt as I got up that I was someone was put, holding a coat for me to put my arms through and I put this coat on and I felt light and joyful. Mm. Mm. And forgiven. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's a choice. We have to choose to take it off the old and put on the new. And, and, and go ahead. And, and, you know, if, if we, we have to choose to do that, it's a choice. And a lot of times we don't realize it's a choice. We just think we're, if we work through these emotions and talk about our anger constantly, will feel better. No, anger fuels anger. Yeah. Well, and that's where the strength of Christ comes in because he can give us the strength to actually put off the Holy Spirit living in us, put it off as we are partner with him. And so what would you say to, how would you, how do we move past betrayal from someone who's supposed to protect us, whether it's a friend, a parent, a boyfriend, a fiance, someone who, who's, who in a healthy relationship, the design is that they would protect and support and love us. How do we move past betrayal? Oh, that's a big one. But 
It's taken me years to learn this. <laughs> I mean, this isn't an overnight thing at all because, right. you know, I'm kind of thick-headed at times. But um, we have to realize they are their own person. We can't change them. Um, you have to let God work with them. You can't be their God. Um, but in turn, you have to take care of yourself with your relationship to God. And in taking care of yourself, that means forgiving. And that means letting go. And that means taking on what God wants you to take on. Um, for years, I had a hard time saying that gentleman's name uh, without clenching my teeth because the, the very thought of him just really made me angry. But you know what? If I pass him in the street today, I would hug him and say thank you for allowing me to see that side because mm -hmm. I would not realized what so many other women go through as well and don't know how to get out of. Honestly, mm -hmm. uh, women, we're stronger than we look. Um, a lot of our strength is in our mind. And if we don't control our mind, it will get out of hand. So I would say, you know, um, with women, we need to find a, a safe place to talk and share our story and even cry because, you know, with the tears comes healing. Mm -hmm. um, and there are a lot of people that need to talk it out and, and hear another story that goes beyond theirs so that they don't feel alone. Um, mm -hmm. We need to admit that we can't keep the secret anymore. Um, secrets are, are like weights on your ankles. And, uh, if you're jumping in to swim, you might not get to the surface. Mm -hmm. So that's um, a great analogy. Yeah. And how long do you think, uh, I think forgiveness can, is a decision and a process. So I know you said it's been years and, but, and sometimes there's a real turning point in the process, but how, how have you known that you've forgiven yeah, I, I, we talked about the weights being free, not feeling like there's a weight. Are there other ways to know it, from your experience that we have forgiven someone or ourselves? Or? I think when you start sharing your story, like for me, um, I work with a, um, I'm a volunteer for a maternity ministry called Breath of Life in Austin, Texas. And um, I'm on there. Uh, concert teams. So we'll go around doing concerts to bring awareness for um, young women that need help that uh, come to this maternity ministry and um, find a safe place to be pregnant, to learn. They decide they have to go through everything, deciding whether they're going to parent or place for adoption. And with that, I share my, my story on abortion. Um, some women have chosen to give life to their child. And I chose the opposite and it was devastating. And the more I share, shared my story, I've been sharing my story in public for the, probably the past 21 years. And with wow. each time I've shared it, um, there has been like 
You know, have you ever seen the Chinese where they take a pot that's all broken and they put it back together with gold and there's gold in between the broken pieces? That's oh, what that, I... Okay. Yeah, I think I have. Yeah. That's how they repair their pots. And I'm broken. And with each time I tell my story, it's like God fills in the cracks with gold and I become a, a different vessel because of him and my brokenness he's able to put it back together and make it something special and something beautiful and I feel like each time I've shared my story I've had people come to me not during the concert because they don't want to be seen as oh you're talking to the abortion chick I don't like <laughs> that label but yeah. um and and I um that is not my identity anymore. Uh, my identity is I am healed. I'm whole. And if I am there, if I can be there for you, I will walk with you through this too. But I've had women come to me in their, uh, uh, some in their twenties, some in their thirties. I've had 50, 60 and 70 year olds come to my house and sit and cry on my couch. And I just hold them. Mm. And because I've never broken the silence till then. That's beautiful. And it goes to show that it's never too late to it's be at peace too. with yourself, with God. And I mean, we are at peace with God through Christ, but to be at peace in our fellowship and our, um, with God as well as with other people. I mean, there's just, it's never too late. Right. Amen. <laughs> and so how... How has God redeemed your pain? You've shared your story. You see other women come and find freedom. And other, are there other ways you've seen redemption? Um, I, uh, it's funny. The um, day that I graduated from my uh, counseling stuff, we did a ceremony. Um, and my parents came um, to that. I finally Aww. told them. And they, when I told them about my abortion and what all I'd been going through, they fell on their knees and they just started crying and hugging me and telling me they were sorry that they weren't there for me. Oh, wow. What an amazing response. That was yet another layer of healing. Um, but yes. after that, uh, I met my husband and uh, we were friends at the time. And I decided those guardrails on my highway were going to be stronger this time. And uh, we dated a year, and we always were in groups. I wouldn't get alone with the man. And uh, we became the best of friends. And um, yeah, wow. we ended up getting married, and I told him about my abortion. And he started to cry. He goes, Lisa, I had uh, a part in an abortion with a high school girlfriend. And so it was like God gave oh me someone. Goodness. Yes. And yes. Uh, that I was, you know, I never really expected to have kids because I got pretty scarred up um, back in the day. They, they really didn't do great. They just, we survived. Um, and I didn't think I'd ever have kids. And um, I got pregnant. I was so Aww. fearful, so fearful. And I was in a Jewish, it was a Jewish church. It was a Messianic Jewish church. Um, so it was a Christian Jew, Jewish church. And this gentleman had come as a guest speaker. And I think I was sitting on the second row. 
And I was sitting there just kind of listening and he stopped the service and he, this never happened in this church before, but that I knew of, he stopped and looked at me and he goes, I need to tell you something. And my heart just sank. And I thought, is he going to ask me to leave? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. What what's going, going on? <laughs> and, he looked at me and he goes, God wants you to know that the baby that you're carrying is going to be healthy and he's fine. And God has this under control. What a comfort. Oh my. And so I have two wonderful grown children. They're boys. And, uh, they have every now and then rose and called me blessed. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Not every day. I don't get that. That's great. (laughs) But wait, there's more years for them to realize what what a mother does for their kids. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it's it's been a wonderful journey. I've I've had uh, two wonderful boys and um, a wonderful husband and. Yes, life has been hard, but we've done it together, you know? Yes. And, and I I think if you just wait to hear from God about the man that you're supposed to be with, he will bring you not good enough. He's going to bring you the best one for you. And it doesn't seem best all the time, but that's because we're human and we need to grow together. <laughs> so right but and if christ is the foundation yes that's what we need to remember to hang on to and i think women we need to remember this that we need each other we need our women tribes because boys don't make good girlfriends don't give up your girlfriends keep your wise women and keep the women that you can be wise with and if you keep your women of your tribe, your women tribe, you're going to have people that you can get with, cry with, laugh with, um, you know, hear the wisdom of God from, and then you can pass that on. It is that I have a group of women that we meet. We're, we're called the Ring of Fire. And God <laughs> I love shows it. up every time. But we just, it started out with, coffee and Jesus. And all we did was, you know, do a couple of worship songs and just pray. And if you can find just, I mean, even where two or more are gathered, God will grow Mm -hmm. that. God wants women to be uh, women of faith, women of power. And we are, uh, we are capable because of him and healing is there. And we can pass that healing on to other women through our stories and through our brokenness and our broken pieces together with his gold in between melding us together. We are a beautiful thing. Wow. We can just hold on to the fact that we are beautiful in him. We might not feel like it the the day that we're feeling sorry for ourselves, but the Holy Spirit is there to comfort us if we just open the door when he knocks. Wow. Well, Lisa, that is so well said. There's nothing left to say on the podcast. (laughs) Um, We do want um, women to know. And one of the reasons why I designed or created Sacred Story is to let women know they're not alone. And your story, Lisa, you're so brave to tell it because it's a difficult story that I know um, there's just pain. and, And yet we see the amazing redemption and beauty of the Lord in it. And so thank you so much for being our guest. 
Thank you for having me. And I do want to say for any women who are feeling alone and this hits a raw nerve in your story, feel free to send me an email, laura at sacredstoryministries.org. And one of my hearts is to connect women stories to each other. So if you'd like to connect to Lisa, she's offered to be available, then um, I can um, start that process. So um, y'all have a great day. We'll look forward to talking again.